Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's get it started in here. And the bass keeps running, running, and running. Five Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Roz, here at the opening line on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? If so, it's time to get started. Let's go. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is the opening line with your hosts, Wits and Roz. We are back another week, another edition of the show where we like to keep the line moving. I thought we'd start off, check in, and see how we're doing. Wits, how's everything going on your end? Everything's going good, man. I'm uh, season six, episode four, Game of Thrones. I'm almost caught up. I don't know if I'll make it to this Sunday, but I think next Sunday I should be caught up for the live version. I just saw The Walk of Shame by Seriously. Shame. 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 Pretty brutal, but uh, things are turning off. I need to stay off Instagram because I keep seeing these pictures that I just don't need to see about where the show's at. Um, but I'm getting closer every day here. I'm watching about two or three episodes a day. So things are going well. NBA playoffs are heating up. We have the NFL draft in two days. MLB baseballs in full swing. I actually was at the Cubs game on Sunday, Easter Sunday. Um, little walk-off base hit by David Bodie. So all is well in Chicago. Got back to 500. It was a great day. Uh, so, yeah, things are, things are rocking out right now in the sports world. Sounds good. Great. Yeah, no, things are great here in L.A. as well. Just got my tour schedule for this summer. We'll be on the be on the road again, helping out with Challenge Mania Live, an amazing podcast that you guys should go check out, especially if you're MTV people. Speaking of which, we have an MTV interview coming up this week and a potential surprise one next week. But uh, Wits, enough about what's going on in our outside lives. We're both still very single men, although you went on a date, man. I heard you had an awesome date. Uh but let's talk about shame because this time of year, it's not only shame when it comes to shame. Game of Thrones. Shame. But, but yes, yeah, shame, shame. Me and you will be sitting there doing some shaming when it comes to the NFL draft on Thursday night. Me, it's uh, for me, it's fun. I really do appreciate the NFL draft, especially when the Packers have multiple picks on the first night. I mean, I've had days or NFL drafts where they haven't even picked in the first two days brutal it's hard to watch you you use this as like a point before the nfl season to have the most hype you can have for your team because after the draft your team is set going into like training camp there might be some late signings but this is where you pick how many wins your team's gonna get and where you think they're gonna finish i like what the packers have with the 12 and the 20 or the 30 i think we're gonna make a lot happen but mostly wits, like you like to put it to me, it's just like a fancy car show. They roll the cars out on the stage. You take a look at them. They look big. They look muscular. And they look like the guys that are going to help your franchise move forward. I was going to say, let's go through the projected top 10. And we're going to we're gonna say hit, miss, or bust. 
and a miss. What it is is it's not somebody that's going to change your franchise around, but probably a player that hangs on for a little bit. Bust obviously just ruins your franchise. And a hit is a guy like uh, potentially Kyler Murray, who is currently the number one projected player going to the Arizona Cardinals. A little bit of tension there with Josh Rosen still on the roster. Give me your initial thoughts on this whole Kyler Murray fiasco. And if you were Josh Rosen, is it time to is it time to start your career as a backup right after your rookie season? Yeah, I mean, part of me feels that Josh Rosen is going to get traded. I know that there's a lot of stories on both sides of this thing. But, you know, if you're the Cardinals, I think it'll be very hard to pass up on Kyler Murray. I mean, the guy has a lot of potential. Um, I think he draws some comparisons, you know, with how, with how short he is to Drew Brees. And I know he's definitely more athletic than Drew Brees, but hard to pass up on a guy like Kyler Murray who just, I think, is a guy who could be a franchise player, another Russell Wilson type. Um, and Josh Rosen, I think he kind of got dealt a rotten hand last year. I mean, that was a brutal team to be on. Didn't really help him out much. But at the same time, I don't think he really looked the part of a franchise quarterback. We could be wrong, though. I mean, we have been wrong before on this show. But I don't think this is the end of Josh Rosen's career by any means if the Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. But everything is pointing to that now. Um, you know, I, I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to make a move here. And then Josh Rosen, will he stay in Arizona for a year? Will he be a backup? Will he get traded to a team and get the chance to be a starter? I don't know if I really see that happening. But, you know, Kyler Murray is a guy I think who could change his franchise around. Because, you know, a couple of years ago with Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald, I mean – the Cardinals were kind of on the cusp, I think, of being a Super Bowl contender, and it just all fell apart very quickly. So we'll see where it goes for here. You know, with Kyler Murray, I don't think this is going to be a playoff team this year by any means, but, you know, this is a team that, you know, down the road here, next couple of years, if Kyler Murray's, you know, able to perform and do as well as people think he's going to do, you know, th- this team could compete in the NFC West. So over. we're going with a hit, essentially. You think that no miss, no bust, we're going to feel Kyler Murray is a hit. Yeah, you know, I think I'd call him a hit right now, but you know, like we've said on this show before, it's it's really hard, you know, to grade out quarterbacks after the first even three years, I would say, because I'm looking back, you know, about five years ago, Jamius Winston, Marcus Mariota. I mean, they haven't been busts, but I think you know people hope for a lot more out of those two. So obviously, it's a lot of you know the kind of team that you have around you, you know, defensive wise, what kind of weapons do you have on offense, you know, to really determine the success of a quarterback. So I think it'll be definitely a couple of years before we're able to write, you know, the story on Kyler Murray and where his career is projected. But even quarterbacks now in the draft, it, I don't think it's really not going to change your team in the course of one or two seasons. It's more of a long-term thing because um, you need pieces around a quarterback to win. But quarterback is the most important part. So I think they're they're going to make the right decision here and take him with the number one overall pick. Right. I'm all in. I'm going to go with a hit here. I'm a big fan of Kyler Murray, a lot like I was about Baker Meath. Baker Mayfield last year they're coming from the same system they're both agile they both have incredible arms I understand the height is the concern but first off there's nobody faster than Kyler at the position and third off he can throw the ball out of his mind he's got a rocket for an arm it's here or there on the accuracy scale but he can put the ball downfield and get it to his receivers I like him like I like Baker I think this will be good for Arizona if they do decide to go this route if not there's definitely teams chomping at the bit to get him number two Nick Bosa edge rusher out of Ohio State to me 
a massive hit. I think he just follows the pedigree of his brother Joey Bosa, follows the pedigree of a true defensive end. I think he's going to be upsetting quarterbacks for many years. Injury concerns, obviously, both Bosa brothers dealing with injuries. But for me, going to San Francisco, I think it's a hit, and I think it's a huge piece for the San Francisco 49er team. How are we feeling? I like the idea of it. I mean, I think Ed Rusher is... You know, after quarterback, after left tackle, right tackle, it's one of the, probably the most important position in the NFL because if you can't get to the quarterback, like we saw with the Raiders last year, I mean, defense was brutal, but they just could not rush the passer at all. And that I think that's one of the keys to any good team is, you know, a team that can get pressure, force quarterback to make some bad decisions. And I love Nick Bosa, but I'm kind of in the middle here. Injury concerns are at the top of my list right now. I mean, looking at his brother, I think, is a perfect example Another great player who hasn't really been able to stay on the field that much. And Nick Bosa, you know, if you followed his career at Ohio State at all, injuries were definitely a concern. And as good as he is, um, you know, I think if you're not on the field, it doesn't really matter if you're the best player of all time because that's the most important part is that you, you play a part in your team winning games. And I do worry a little bit about the injuries here. But, you know, I like the direction for this 49ers team. They got, you know, a really raw deal with Jimmy Garoppolo tearing his ACL uh, last year. So, you know, I like the trajectory of this team. I think they got a lot of weapons on both sides of the ball. I think Nick Bosa could play a huge piece in this, but I'm kind of waiting. I'm in the middle right now because I'm, I'm just not sure, you know, how healthy he's going to be able to stay in, in the, you know, in the big league. So we got a hit and a miss there. We're moving on to three. And by the way, we're using NFL.com's 3.0 pre-draft, mock draft. Number three, arguably my favorite player in the top ten, Keenan Williams, defensive tackle from Alabama. It was his sophomore redshirt season, had the opportunity to go back. He only started one year for this Alabama team, but is the most dynamic and most pro-ready on this draft board. I feel he is going to be an absolute hit, and I know I've got a hit trend going on right now. I'm batting like Mike Trout. Keenan Williams, though, best player in this top ten that I see so far, without a doubt. You know what? I think it's hard to disagree with you there. I mean, Williams is... You know, if you watched Alabama at all this past year, he's an absolute monster on the inside and I think kind of follows the path of New York Jets selecting some pretty successful defensive linemen. You look at Leonard Williams, Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson. I mean, this team kind of breeds defensive linemen, and I think, you know, he's going to be a key piece in the rebuild in New York. I mean, offensively, there was a lot of struggles last year with Sam Darnold um, taking over his rookie year, but, you know, Williams is a guy who you know, could be a major piece in a great New York Jets defense down the road here. He's a guy I don't think you can really go wrong with him. I mean, he's a great player, and he's super athletic, which is even scarier. You know, a guy that big and strong can be that fast and versatile. So I I love the pick here. And I think think this is a pick that could possibly get traded. I mean, I think Williams is is a very attractive piece for any team that's looking to get better on the defensive side of the ball. So if the Jets get a good enough offer here, I think we could see another team slide up into that third pick because I don't think he's fallen uh, past the top three here. So I'm going to go with a hit. All right, doubling the hit. This is the first one I fall off the hit line. Josh Allen, edge rusher out of Kentucky, senior coming out into the draft, number four to Oakland. The Raiders have been talking about surprise picks all week long and dash all year long since they've gotten all these picks from the Cleo Mack trade and the Amari Cooper trade. Josh Allen to me is not a bust can't be a hit either. I'm, I'm going to go with a miss for right now. I don't know necessarily if he's going to be a, a figure for a defense right away, a player that's going to make such a difference that we see playoff-style records. I'm going to go with a miss for right now. 
The kid from Kentucky played in an awesome conference, has a lot of skills, won a lot of awards, but he's going to a system that I don't think is proven yet. They have a lot of picks. It's going to be a very young team. I'm going to start off with a miss. I don't think he can equal what Khalil Mack would have brought to this team had the Raiders kept him there. Yeah, you know, I've got, you know, Josh Allen down at eight right now, but, you know, I'll go with you at four to the Raiders. Um, I've also got, you know, some talks of Ed Oliver, defensive tackle out of Houston, possibly being taken by the Raiders. Um, And, you know, I really like Josh Allen. I think he's, I don't want to compare him to Khalil Mack, but a guy who, coming out of a school that's not really known for its football, I mean, Khalil Mack came from Buffalo, Josh Allen coming from Kentucky, was a was a major reason why Kentucky was so successful this year. So I think he's got the skills and the athleticism to be a great edge rusher in the league. So I'm going to call it a hit right now. I think it's exactly what the Raiders need. I mean, they were pretty atrocious on defense last year, and I think it was pretty apparent that they were missing Khalil Mack. They've got a lot of other problems they need to take care of, but Josh Allen is a guy... You know, it's a great starting piece because if you got one guy as good as a Khalil Mack on the field, just makes every other player around him so much better. So if Josh Allen is able to get to that Pro Bowl caliber type of player that I think a lot of people are projecting him out to be, um, this could be the start of a good rebuild for the Raiders because they had a lot of struggles last year. But they do have some pieces around, you know, that John Gruden could kind of make this team into a playoff team, especially in that division you know, you've got, obviously you've got the Chiefs, who I think are going to be there for a long time. But looking at the Broncos, um, I think they're a team that, you know, is probably going to struggle again this year. So I, I like the pick here. I like Josh Allen. I'm going to go with a hit. We've got Devin White at five to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which breaks my heart. I didn't think Devin White would fall to 12 after all the combine, after his play year in and year out at LSU. Devin White's going to be drafted high up in this draft, and it looks like he's going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers potentially. This guy, absolute hit. I think he's the best linebacker on the board. There's talks about uh, Devin Bush out of Michigan, but I don't think anybody's going to top Devin White here from LSU. LSU has produced some of the best defensive talent in the league year in and year out. Each draft we've seen, I love Devin White here. I think he's going to be an impact linebacker, somebody like Ray Lewis, at least at making as much noise in terms of his talent. I'm all in. Devin White at five of the Buccaneers. Yeah, I really like Devin White. I don't know if it's necessarily the Bucks' top need, a linebacker, but you know, six foot, two hundred forty pound. Um, he's got great athleticism. knows knows how to tackle. He's got great speed, and he's got three down potential, which I think is something really important when you're looking at a linebacker who's kind of kind of going to be the catalyst of that defense. Um, the Bucks, I think, have a long way to go as well. But you know, Devin White, like you said, LSU produces year in and year out. Great talent on that side of the ball. They're known for that. I think Devin White is a great player, and I think he's going to be a pretty key cog in that Bucks defense, hopefully for years to come if he can stay healthy. Sounds good to me. We've got six and arguably my first bus pick for Sean Gary, edge rusher of Michigan. I've seen a lot of Michigan players come and go. We know who Tom Brady is, but defensively on the other side of the ball, other than our boy Clark, who just got a massive deal from the Kansas City Chiefs in a trade, Fred Clark, that is, from the Seahawks, Michigan player is now making $83.5 million, guaranteed 105 over the next five years. Other than that, not a lot of true talent coming out of Michigan on the defensive side of the ball. I think this was a pretty weak Michigan batch, other than Devin Bush, who might be a sleeper. Uh, Rashawn Gary to me, bust. 
The Giants really going to go with an edge rusher after they got rid of everything. Here at six, I think they need to look into a new quarterback. Eli is getting up there and can barely throw the ball five yards down the field. You just got rid of your best receiver. I don't think you can take DK Metcalf here or even Marquise Brown, but really taking an edge rusher, that would really be setting up a massive bust here in Rashawn Gary. Yeah, I mean, I think the Giants, obviously they need a quarterback, but you know, if they don't think that you know a guy like Haskins or any of the other top quarterbacks are the right fit for them, I think it's okay to wait a year because the Giants, I think they're going to be terrible next year. That they think Rashawn Gary is going to be a guy who can be you know a centerpiece in that defense. Um, you know, when they finally do get good again, I think it's a good play. But I I kind of tend to agree with you here. I think you know, Rashawn Gary is is a, is a great player. He's very athletic, but had a pretty big lack of production, I would say, in college. I don't think he put up you know kind of the stats that you're looking for out of a top flight guy. But, you know, I think stats are, are something that, you know, might lead to a lot of people thinking that guys are better than they actually are. But I think Rashawn Gary is a great player. And obviously, you know, playing for Harbaugh in Michigan, I mean, they, they recruit some top talent over there. I just don't know if this is going to be the play that, you know, really catapults the Giants. But if they think they should wait on a quarterback, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that if they don't like taking Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I'm definitely sticking with a the bust there for Gary. But we move on to seven where we have Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle from Florida. To me, he's not even the best lineman on this draft board. I think uh, Jonah Williams out of Alabama is really going to be the best lineman we see in this pool. Uh, for me, it's a miss, but it's, I think it's a guy that's going to have a career. He'll help the new quarterback there and Nick Foles. But uh, to me, I think Jacksonville, some other needs they should look into down the board a little bit. TJ Hawkinson, who the Packers would really love to have fall his way or their way, is a guy I think they should consider. But you can't go wrong building an offensive line. I just don't see it being a massive hit, a franchise guy like Joe Thomas. Uh, but that Jawan Taylor at seven to the Jags. Yeah, and actually, you, you talk about Jonah Williams. I think that's a guy that you might see taken at number six by the New York Giants. I mean, obviously, you know, the number one priority is keeping your quarterback upright, especially when he can barely stand to begin with. So I could see Jonah Williams get taken at six. Um, also could see him being taken over Jawan Taylor at seven. I think those are the top two linemen in the draft, but I do think Williams is a little bit better. But, you know, either case, I think the Jags, they need – a really good offensive tackle to protect Nick Foles. Um, you know, he had a pretty disastrous season last year. And if Nick Foles can put together some magic and just be at least a little bit above average, I mean, this Jaguars team, you know, they might get back to the playoffs again. I mean, I know they had a brutal year last year, um, really underexceeded people's expectations, but taking a tackle here, either Juwan Taylor, Jonah Williams, if he's available, um, I think it'll really help this team. So I think going offensive line is the way to go here. Wow. I'm going to take us now to number eight to the Detroit Lions, a division rival of mine. On this board, it has Ed Oliver slipping to the eighth spot here. Um, Detroit with a lot of players coming up in free agency. They haven't brought back Ansa yet. They're going to need some help on that defensive line that was once so ferocious. If you go back to the Ndamukong Sioux days, Ed Oliver, the next Ndamukong Sioux. I'm going to go with a hit here. Let the slide keep sliding. If it somehow shows up at 12 on Thursday and Ed Oliver's still there, there's nobody I'd want the Packers to take more than this man right here. But if he's sitting there at 8, I think the Lions should begin to rebuild that defensive line. I like the hit here. I'm going Ed Oliver, defensive tackle. A guy who at one point was supposed to be the number one overall pick. 
Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, you could see Ed Oliver being snagged off the board at number four by the Raiders in a couple of drafts that I've seen. But I think, you know, if they go Oliver, I've also seen a couple, um, you know, takes. TJ Hawkinson, I think, is a great pick for the Lions. I mean, you know, 6'6", top flight tight end in this draft. I think Matt Stafford needs a couple more weapons over there. So I think Hawkinson is a great pick. But, you know, if Ed Oliver slips down there, he uh, – you know, I don't think there's any anything wrong with taking a guy like that who, like you said, could be the next Ndamukong Sue. And we moved to nine, the Buffalo Bills, and this is this is the heartbreaker. TJ Hawkinson, tight end. It's been a hit-heavy top ten. I know I've got my bus pick already in there, and I have a miss. But TJ Hawkinson, you can't spell TJ Hawkinson without Jason Witten and Rob Gronkowski. And I know that's a lot of letters, but it, you can fit them in there. And that's what this guy's going to be like. He's going to be a top-flight tight end. Not only is he efficient on the line when blocking, but he also is a tremendous pass catcher. This guy is going to be great in the league for years, and if it is going to Josh Allen, you definitely are given a gift. This is early Christmas, Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know one of the best friends of a quarterback is a great tight end, so TJ Hawkinson definitely fits that bill. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of a, of a Greg Olson. You remember him coming out of Miami, um, you know, one of the best tight ends around and has really had a great career. So I don't think there's there's anything wrong with them taking TJ Hawkinson here. Also seen a couple drafts where, you know, the Bills might take edge rusher Montez Sweat from Mississippi State. Um, you know, looking at GM Brandon Bean, he was in Carolina when the Panthers made Julius Peppers the cornerstone of that franchise. Um, so I don't know if Montez Sweat will be the next Julius Peppers, but I could see, you know, the Bills either taking him or Hawkinson here. Um, and just really making a great addition to their squad, no matter who they choose. Finally, number 10, Denver Broncos, led by John Elway, recently acquiring Joe Flacco. I'm seeing a QB-heavy approach here, and this one interesting to me, Drew Locke. Here at 10 is what we have on the NFL mock draft. This guy was projected at one point to be the best quarterback in this draft pool Obviously, Kyler Murray has slipped ahead, and in some places, Dwayne Haskins is still ahead of Drew Locke. But on this one, the Broncos are going with Drew Locke. He's got a massive arm, and John Elway is a guy you can't resist that. Um, I think he's improved greatly. I understand that his draft stock has fallen, but he's definitely improved on the field. And he'll get some time behind Joe Flacco. And I understand we saw how it turned out with Joe Flacco having Lamar, not Miller, Lamar Jackson behind him. Maybe it was pressure. Maybe it was a wrong system. But hopefully it's not too much pressure. And hopefully this is a place where Flacco can help grow Drew Locke into a franchise quarterback that will eventually take over for the Denver Broncos. I'm going to go with a miss because I don't think any of these quarterbacks, other than Kyler Murray this year, are going to be franchise quarterbacks long term. I think we got a lot of backups in this pool, a lot of guys who are going to give three years of effort and really not pan out for the team. But uh, I'm going to go with a miss here, Wits, with Drew Locke at 10. I actually really like the pick here. I mean, the, the Broncos have not hit on a quarterback in a long time. It's been one of the major struggles of John Elway's tenure in Denver. I know they, they did win the Super Bowl. They brought Peyton Manning over. But ever since then, it's been very hit and miss um, with quarterbacks. So if you can't get any, why not bring over two? And I think this is going to be a great situation for Drew Locke if he gets taken by the Broncos. Because if you remember, um, one of the guys that comes to mind who sat on the bench for a few years behind a Hall of Fame quarterback, not calling Joe Flacco a Hall of Fame quarterback, pretty damn good, though, um, was a young Aaron Rodgers. And see how his career turned out. I would say pretty good right now for the Packers. 
Um, so Drew Locke, I mean, if he's a guy um, who really is as talented as people once thought he was, you know, possibly being the number one pick and the number one overall quarterback, um, I think this is a great situation for him in Denver. He'll have a lot of time to learn under a guy who's had a very successful career in Joe Flacco. I mean, especially coming out of the University of Delaware, I think NFL, there's so much to learn at the quarterback position. And sometimes maybe it is better for a guy to take a seat for a year or two before he finally steps onto the field. Um, so I think this is a great spot for Drew Locke, and I'm, I'm hoping he gets taken early. I think he's really talented, um, but we'll see. I think this is going to be a hit for the Broncos. Yeah, I'm excited. Draft is Thursday. We'll be headed to Riley's something on Sunset Boulevard for the Believe Network. They're putting together something. Very excited to be a part of that uh, and just to be able to watch the draft with a bunch of people. It's a, Like I said, it's like spotting a new shiny car, and I'm not even a car guy, so for me... It's like spotting uh, a nice new gadget, like computer, television, the fanciest thing on the market. And I'm going to have fun with it. The Packers have two picks in the top 30, two in the first round, obviously. And I, I think it's going to be big for helping Aaron Rodgers moving forward. I hope we attack on the offensive end at the beginning of this draft, maybe go defense a little bit later down the line. But any last draft thoughts for you? You, you usually don't care about the draft, but... Uh, as the Bears looked pretty good last year, is there anything you're hoping the Bears may accomplish in the next three days starting on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, well, it's always nice to get another uh, another great defensive player and the Bears being one of the best defenses in the league. You know, I don't know how much better they could get, but, you know, it looks like they don't have a pick in the first round here, um, you know, with that Khalil Mack trade. But I just hope they draft a couple solid guys who are able to make an impact. I mean, the NFL... Um, I think, you know, looking at the draft, compared to the NBA draft, one player can really turn around a franchise. And besides a quarterback in the NFL draft, I mean, you know, you need a lot of good players to win in the National Football League. So, like I said, I don't like to get too overhyped about the draft. It's nice to see. Um, it's a big spectacle and it's fun to watch. But, you know, I think once the season starts, you really start to see, you know, what kind of an impact these guys can actually make. Um, so I'm excited for it. But like I said, I don't, I don't get too hyped up. Um, NFL is a very long season. Uh, a lot of injuries happen, so you know we'll see where it goes. But you know I, I like how this draft shaping up. I'm excited to see some of the big trades. I know they're going to come out very last minute, so uh, it'll it'll be a good time, fun to watch. I love putting you on the spot. And before we transition into the NBA talk, we we belong to the Believe Network. So if you're listening to this, go check out a bunch of the other shows we have on our network. There are 59 shows currently, which if there was a Believe Network draft, what makes us a high draft pick? What are some of the intangibles we have? If you're listening to the show, feel free to reach out, send us DMs, rate us, put it in our iTunes rating section. We'll read it here on the show. But Wits, what are some of our intangibles as a duo, as a podcasters? <laughs> oh, man, that's a good question. I, I would say we've got a lot, a lot of camaraderie. Yeah, um, I was going to say the chemistry is huge for us. I think that's uh, that's a massive boost when you get us on the air. We have we have fun going back and forth. We got we bring a lot of analysis and analytical points. I think that's huge. I think we really give you we give you the information you need and make you a comfortable gambler, right? Yeah, I mean co covering a lot of sports here. I know we could do a little better job uh, on hockey, but we, uh, we are pretty bad at hockey. That is yeah. that is our big weakness. Like at the at the combine for Believe Network, we were not we were not too hot when it came to hockey. Our yeah, skate so time comes, was full. Uh, you know, fo football, basketball, baseball, golf. Um, I think we try to cover all the bases and, and do an okay. Love. 
Yeah, a little UFC love. Hit the bag. Yeah, so I would say yeah, definitely some chemistry knowing each other for too long. So I think that, that kind of works out. So that, that's how I'd rate us uh, in the draft. A little, a little potential, needs some work. but Are we, you know, in, the, are we in the top 10? Do you think we fall in the top 10 of this, of this draft? Uh, I, don't know. I don't know about the top 10. There's we'll a lot sleepers? of sleepers. Maybe like 30th pick. Yeah, we could we could be sleeper. A little little Sony Michelle late first round pick, uh, maybe potential to blossom, but hopefully he doesn't blow out his knee. So that's uh, that's kind of how I'm rating us right now. Um, so I know, we'll with see my what fractured happens. hand that also is a concern going into the uh, Believe Network mock draft. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree with you. But enough with that. You'll let us know if you think we should be drafted higher. Let's get to the NBA, where like I said, our picks have been good. The only one that's troublesome right now is the three one series Portland Trailblazers over the. Oklahoma City Thunder, but we'll start in the East because the East is more fun. It was easy. Milwaukee, 4-0, wasn't even close. Uh, Pistons fought a little bit in Game 4. It sets up for an awesome series. Celtics, who also swept their opponents in the, uh, I'm forgetting who they played, the played the Pacers. Wow, that was a huge brain fart. But both sweeping their series, headed into what I think will be the best series in the Eastern Conference and I still like my Celtics. I know you picked the Celtics as well, but the Bucks definitely made a statement. Let's just say that in their sweep, they demolished this Pistons team. Who was without Blake Griffin? To be fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we called this series like a lot of other people did. I don't want to act like it was too hard, um, but the Bucks were just clearly a superior team. You know, putting up, you know, 119 points at least every night, and the Pistons' offense was. You know, there there was a lot left to be desired, but you know, have sideline sidelining Blake Griffin, I mean, that's a tough blow for any team, but especially a team that just barely squeaked into the playoffs. So we set up this great series with the Celtics and the Bucks and Roz. I mean, I'm I'm still feeling pretty good about Boston here. I think they played well in that first series against the Pacers and Pacers by no means are the Milwaukee Bucks, who I think are probably they might be the probably are the best team in the East, um, looking up and down the roster and how they played the entire year, but I'm looking for Kyrie Irving to have a coming out party in the second round here in the East, and I think this goes to seven games. Um, but I like the Celtics here. I think they're going to prove a lot of people wrong and finally hit their stride you know, at the most important time of the season here. Yeah, especially with Gordon Hayward really improving. and He's looking healthier and healthier every time he takes the court. He was awesome in Game 4 against the Pacers. I understand the Pacers are without Oladipo, but Miles Turner is an absolute freak. He is awesome, and this Pacers team should be happy with the team they have moving forward. Again, me and you joke about this with the NBA. There isn't really moving forward until the Warriors disband. I mean, that team is going to win every year. I know I went on record last show saying I think this is the year we get a loss, but that's just because I think mentally they're one of the weakest teams in the NBA playoffs. Celtics, I think, got tested a little bit more than the Bucks, and I think they're gonna they're gonna smack the Bucks in the mouth a little bit. But the Bucks are gonna retaliate. I would love to see this go to seven, and at which point, whoever wins, it'll just be fun to see how far they can make it. But I still do like the Celtics. Hope they take it in six. Would wouldn't mind that game seven, but I'm gonna go Celtics here over the Milwaukee Bucks still. But uh, we have another. One going on. We have the Toronto Raptors currently just finishing up that series. They demolished Orlando in game five. They dropped one, obviously. They're waiting on the Sixers, who are demolishing the Nets currently, and also game five. 76ers 
Toronto, interesting matchup to me. We haven't picked this one yet. Part of me has to go with Toronto, but they, they scare me a little bit, especially with Kyle Lowry and his struggles in postseasons past. And the 76ers looking fiery right now. They're, they're emotional, but they're physical, and they get in your head. I think Toronto and the 76ers are going to go deep in this series, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean towards the Raptors coming out of this one. I'm actually leaning towards the 76ers in this one, Roz. Um, you know, after that first game, I think we were talking about are the, are the Nets, you know, are they going to pull this off? But, you know, the past three games, um, I think very strong showing by the 76ers here. And as we, as we sit here right now, they're up by 35 points at the end of the third quarter. So obviously they're going to move on to the next round here, which I think will be a pretty damn good matchup against the Raptors. I mean, you've got a lot of star power in this one. Kyle Lowry, um, Kawhi Leonard. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. I mean, there's a ton of great players in this series, but I think the 76ers in that starting lineup, I think they're going to be a little bit too much for the Raptors here, and the Raptors have played great basketball all season, um, but I love the 76ers here. I think they're going to edge out Toronto in six games. Um, I think Joel Embiid is going to be the X factor in this one. He's an unbelievable player, and you know, I think Kawhi Leonard is, is going to be you know, a huge force for the Raptors, but I just don't think he's going to be enough, and I like Philly to move on. To the conference finals this year against the Celtics. Yeah, that would be a nice uh, Eastern Conference. I think it's going to be a nice Eastern Conference final either way it goes because actually all four of these teams create such an interest and uh, an excitement that we haven't had because LeBron has dominated the East so much over the last decade that I'm kind of just rooting for the best series. If they both go to seven, that's awesome. And then Eastern Conference finals goes to seven, even better. Uh, it's going to be a fun Eastern Conference finish, and hopefully one of them gets really hot just in case they do have to run into the Golden State Warriors, who is the next team we're going to talk about. They're up 3-1, lead the L.A. Clippers. They play tomorrow at 10.30 Eastern. I think they're going to finish this series up tomorrow night. They've, they've been dominating since their blown game. I mean, they were up 31 and blew that game. KD had fouled out. DeMarcus Cousins had gotten hurt. I think this team is now on cruise control. They're going to get past the Clippers. Not much of a problem. And they're currently looking to face the Houston Rockets, who just dropped one on the road. They also play tomorrow tomorrow night, and I think they'll also finish up the series. And then we're going to get the fireworks, which is Rockets, Warriors, offense galore, creates a lot of excitement. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for Rockets, Warriors. Um, like you said, I think I think Warriors and Rockets close out their series in the next game that they play. Uh, right now, both series are at three-one, but I think this is going to be another fun one to watch. You know, if you remember last year, the Rockets were up three-two and had pretty large halftime leads in both games, and they just weren't able to get it done. And while I think that Rockets team from last year was a little better, I think this is still going to be a great a great series. Uh, James Harden, to me, might be the most exciting player in the NBA. I know all he does is dribble and shoot, but he he's damn good at it. Um, so I think this is going to be a pretty fun series to watch. But, you know, the Warriors, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, there really is no other team that can compete or has competed with the Warriors over the past five years. I know LeBron stole a title from them a few years ago, but, I mean, this team is just too good. I think we'll set up an interesting matchup in the NBA Finals. Um, I think they get there again, absolutely. I don't think they're going to get much pushback from whichever teams comes out of the bottom of that bracket, whether it be you know, Portland, OKC, the Spurs, or the Nuggets. Uh, but I think this will be fun. 
But I'm definitely, I'm definitely made more excited for the Eastern Conference here until we get to the finals. Right. My Rockets kind of are my last hope where Harden just has the series of his life, the series of the century. I think one that would go down similar to some of the MJ series he pulled off way back in his day. But we're going to move on, like you said, to the other side of the bracket. Portland up 3-1 on the OKC Thunder. It's going back to Portland now. Tuesday or tonight, actually. We just were shooting the show before it happens. I think Portland closes it out. I think OKC gives it a nice push. But as we've seen, the Russ experiment is just starting to wear low. He gets hot, he gets mad, and he can really be hard to stop, which he was in Game 3. But then there's nights where he's shooting 5 for 27, and it's just not clicking. Paul George being the leading scorer in the last game. Nobody else in double figures in their starting lineup. Game 4, it's tough. And I think... If Portland doesn't finish it off tonight, which is my initial thought, I think they'll finish it off at some point down the line. I don't see a 3-1 comeback from the Thunder. I see Portland moving on, facing either the Nuggets or Spurs. But you got any any hope for the Thunder? Any faith in them coming back in this series? Uh, I don't have a lot of faith here. I mean, I agree with you. You know, I think the Thunder will only go as far as Paul George can take them. I mean, I think Westbrook is a great player. But you really need a number two guy in charge. And Paul George, you know, he's had, he's had some pretty good games so far, but it just hasn't been enough. And I'm kind of upset that the Trailblazers are without Joseph Nurkic because um, I think they could be a team that might be able to, you know, give the Warriors a little run for their money if they get past the second round. But I do think the Trailblazers close this one out. Um, another disappointing year for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, it just looks like they're going to need another player if they want to compete. Uh, Carmelo was not that guy, unfortunately. Remember, he signed with the Thunder a couple of years ago. Um, and, Roz, that takes us to the last series, which has been a pretty, probably the best series so far, I would say, of the playoffs. And we're and almost on pace to be incredible. We both, me and you both said this would go to seven. And I think when we said it would be the best series of all of them, and that's just because of Popovich and what he has to offer to any basketball team. It's been fun. 2-2. It's headed to tonight to uh, Denver, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I think – the most exciting player for me in this series is Nikola Jokic. I mean, the triple-double threat every night. I mean, the guy the guy is really unbelievable. But this has been a very hard-fought hard series. Um, you know, it's gone back and forth. You know, Spurs winning games one and three. Nuggets winning two and four. So, you know, tonight, 8.30 Eastern, a game should be just about tipping off um, if it hasn't already. I think this is going to be a great game. But I think Denver takes this one at home and then, I think this goes to seven, and I think it'll be a toss-up. But I, I got to lean a little bit towards the Spurs right now with Pop and the rest of the guys in the squad. Right, and initially I had the Nuggets winning this series, but Popovich has clearly shown that he came tested and ready to give the Nuggets all they had. I don't see the Spurs going much further in the postseason. I think it'll be a gift for the Trailblazers to get them. But the Nuggets can't really seem to break away from this Spurs team. I mean, Jamal Murray has had his struggles, and if he can pick it up, then he will help lead this team. Him and Gary Harris in the backcourt uh, look very strong. They're a nice tandem to have. But I'm going to go with you. I'm going to switch my pick. Obviously, I will have lost my money on the Nuggets winning the series, but I'm gonna, I think the Spurs can close this out in six or seven. This game tonight is going to be very, very telling. Obviously, taking the 3-2 lead, forcing an elimination in some direction come game six. It'll be very interesting. Setting up what is potentially a fun series in the West, because, I mean, two fun series. I think Portland uh, Spurs or Portland Nuggets is going to be fun. I think the Nuggets 
have a little bit more size due to the injuries in Portland, but I think Portland's backcourt can be daunting when it comes to the Nuggets. We'll see. I mean, who do you have coming out facing either the Rockets or Warriors in the Western Conference Final? I'm going to have to go with Portland here. I think they're the best team out of those four. I think they're going to get past OKC in the next game. Um, and what's shaping up to be a pretty awesome second round in the NBA playoffs. I know the first round, a lot of people are complaining about it. it it's been uh, you know, not really that much fun to watch, but I think you're going to have four great second round mashups. So I think it'll be fun. I think you know, Heat's really going to turn up now. We've only got eight teams left you know, a couple days from now. Um, but, yeah, the Spurs-Nuggets Spurs series will kind of be a great appetizer into the second round. Yeah, it's uh, it's setting up for some entertainment in the NBA. I know it's a league that struggles with that due to the power imbalance, going mostly to the Golden State Warriors. But no LeBron this year. I think that has hurt the ratings a little bit, but I think it gives the opportunity for other superstars to arise. I mean, Giannis is just an absolute freak. He is awesome. I enjoy watching him play basketball. How good he is in the paint or from within 15 feet of the rim is pretty much unstoppable. That's pretty much our show. Like I said, we've got some MTV surprises coming up. We've got Jeff Mahan. He's a pro cyclist. He's going to talk about some times with... uh, our boy Lance Armstrong, as well as competing in such a daunting sport. To me, it's daunting. I think cycling is such a long and hard thing. So I'm very impressed by people who can do that, just like I am about cross-country runners. Um, so he's coming up on the show soon. we got a lot of movement. We're uh, trying to grow each and every week. But Wits, it's been fun. It's uh, nice to be on this new network. It's nice to have a new name. The opening opening line has been great. We love to push the line and keep it moving. Any last words to our uh, fans this week, Wits? Yeah, just uh, enjoy the the NFL draft. I think it'll be a great time. Um, you know, baseball's in full swing now, so we're going to get more breakdown as the season moves along. And then second round of the NBA, I'm actually uh, I'm a little bit excited for it. So wow. stay t- Wits being excited about the NBA. Pigs are flying, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week at the opening line. Be sure to reach out to us on iTunes. Leave a review. We'll get right back to you. All of our Instagram and Twitter handles are the same, at EthanRose4 and at Xander Horwitz. Feel free to reach out that way. We're on Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you can find a podcast. And we will join you next week. Wits and Roz, the sleeper picks of the Believe Network, are out. Have a good one, everybody. Envelopes coming in the mail, let her open I'm hoping for a check again, ain't no telling. Yeah, she invite me to the telly, keep the blade with me when I go to check a bitch, ain't no telling. Yeah, police coming around looking for some help on a case they gotta solve. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.